This morning, the message that I want to talk about uh, definitely deals with the world that we're living in now. Um, and I wanted to do com- some comparisons or give you some examples of sort of uh, what we can see in the Bible of times that we can compare it to. Um, the title that I've given it is As in the Days of Noah. So if we look in the world around us, is anybody here discouraged with the way the world's going? Is it concerning when we see what's going on in the world around us? Um, you know, if, if, if you watch the news, that can be a very depressing um, pastime. Um, if, if we want to talk about the COVID pandemic, uh, we have uh, violence that's erupted because of police brutality. Uh, we have division. We have um, chaos, pretty much, uh, just about everywhere you look. And our media seems to gravitate towards um, sensational, you know, sensa- making, uh, sort of trying to sensationalize everything. Uh, they want to generate headlines. They don't really care what the um, repercussions are of that. Um, they, um, the head, those headlines are going to, they should generate panic, fear. Um, and it, they definitely are a, a reason for conflict. Um, I think when you also, when you look around us, you see the decline of morality in society in general. Um, if you watch what's on TV, if you listen to what popular music um, is playing, uh, there's not a lot of redeeming qualities in it. Um, you can see it in the, in the clothes that people wear. Uh, t- take a walk to the grocery store, and you may be surprised with what people choose to be public wear uh, these days compared to years past. And then if you look at natural, natural disasters, it seems like the earth itself is trying to shout out to us, trying to give us a warning. We have um, the coronavirus, as I said. We have wildfires. We have hurricanes, earthquakes. Uh, everything seems to be uh, devastation. Uh, so every time when, when, when you look at all these things, you know, I start to question, I'm like, how, how far can this world go? How much longer is God going to say, um, you know, my, my grace is extended? You know, there has to come a time when, um, you know, God says, you know, enough is enough. We see that there's a diminishing value that's placed on human life. We see lawlessness is rampant. Um, it seems that the uh, majority is uh, looking to exalt only themselves uh, at the expense of others. Um, to me, God should be just getting ready to say, I've had enough with this stubborn, um, disobedient world. Um, so when I think, have those thoughts, then I had to think to myself, am I ready for that? Am I at a place where I can say, I'm comfortable if the Lord says, today's the day? Um, if, if the Lord were to decide to return today, would he be able to say to me, well done? Um, so... I want to ask you, um, as we look uh, in the Bible, if we believe that, it, that we are coming uh, close, I guess that's a question. Does everybody here believe that we are coming close to the end of time? Um, I think, uh, think we have a, a lot of indications of that. Um, so the question is, how can we be sure? We need to look at the Bible. We can look at the spirit of prophecy, and they're going to tell us uh, where we are in this timeline. Uh, first, I want to have us turn to Matthew 24, 
Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39. Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39. When you say it, say, I'm there. This verse starts, it says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Today we want to consider our place in the world, where we are compared to this instance when God did say, enough is enough. Um, If we look at this time in Noah, we can see that um, we can have an expectation of what our, our world is going to look like as well. Uh, so we, let's be sure that we are looking for the signs, striving for the relationship that we're going to need to be able to bring us um, to that time where we can meet our Savior. Uh, before we get started, uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for blessing us with our Sabbath day today. Uh, we ask that uh, you will uh, allow the message that I speak to be one that is Um, from you, one that is able to permeate into our hearts, into our minds, and also to bring about change uh, where it's needed. So we will be able to be found faithful in following you and honoring you with everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if we go back to Genesis and look at the account um, of Noah, of the flood, we see that Noah was a man of great faith. Uh, He lived in a time where there was a lot of turmoil, there was um, division, there seemed to be a lot of confusion. And when God created the world, it it was created with such beauty, such uh, promise. But once sin entered into it, um, we can see that quickly everything started to decline, right? Uh, From the lives of Adam and Eve, they, they, they were able to experience that pristine innocence that was created in the world. Um... But that quickly changed once sin entered into the picture. And by the time we get to Noah, which is roughly about a little over 1,600 years later, we see that the earth had been filled with sin. Um, If we look to Genesis 6, 5 through 8, we can see uh, what the Bible has to say about that time. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. We see that God has reach that point where he sees little value in that creation that he has made. He, he sees the, the, they are destroying themselves because of their choices. Uh, they didn't have a thought of God. They, uh, their heart was only growing more and more corrupt each and every day. And we have to remember that this wasn't just affecting a few. This was almost the entire world, right? Uh, if we, if we look, uh, the corruption had permeated almost every walk of life. 
if you look um, at the people who were considered religious believers, little by little, day by day, their religious beliefs were compromised, their faithfulness to serve God became weaker and weaker, and their love for God was replaced by the love of things of the world. In Patriarchs and Prophets, um, page 90, Sister White tells us that God bestowed upon these antediluvians, or the people before the flood, many and rich gifts, but they used his bounties to glorify themselves and turn them into a curse by fixing their affections upon the gifts instead of the giver. They employed the silver and gold, the precious stones and the choice wood in the construction of habitations for themselves and endeavored to excel one another and beautifying their dwellings with the most skillful workmanship. They sought only to gratify the desires of their own proud hearts and reveled in the scenes of pleasure and wickedness, not desiring to retain God in their knowledge. They soon came to deny his existence. They adored nature in the place of the God of nature. They glorified human genius, worshiped the works of their own hands, and taught their children to bow down to graven images. That sounds like a pretty um, sad place, doesn't it? Sounds like a pretty scary place. Uh, the direct depths of sin and immorality that man can reach um, seem to be almost without bounds. And that's what Satan's plan is. That, that, that's what Satan wants. Satan wants to take us from the God of love. He wants to confuse us. He wants to cause confliction. He wants to drag us down into sin where we feel hopeless. Because he knows that once he's able to do that, he's succeeded. But the thing that we can have promise in, the thing that we can have delight in, is that God always has a plan of redemption. So we see in this story, we, um, at this time where the world is blighted with immorality, uh, we see that there is Noah. And when there, it had reached a time when God, he could not, he would not allow man to destroy themselves, uh, he decided that it was time for the, the world to be turned around. Because he, Noah was able to demonstrate his faith in God. He showed a willingness to serve him, not just a little bit, but completely. Um, in the verse that we looked at uh, back in Genesis, the, the verse of Genesis 6, verse 8, it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So he was a man of faith. Uh, he heard the word of God. Um, God was telling him to build an ark. Right now, when we look back back at it in history, we sort of know where the story is going. But if you can imagine um, what Noah's mind must have been thinking at the time, build an ark. What's an ark? Uh, you know, this this is at a time when um, you know floods had had never even been heard of. Uh, but he precisely followed the instruction that God gave him. Noah built an ark. Uh, if we convert it to what they feel is the most accurate measurements. It's uh, said to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, approximately the same height as a six-story building of our day. But God didn't tell him just to build a boat. God also instructed Noah to preach, right? And we're told that Noah preached to the people of, of that time. God was trying to make one final plea to this generation, uh, the people that he loved so much. Now, Noah had found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but Noah did not find a very open audience. Uh, the people of that day that thought, what is this crazy prophet talking about? You know, what, what is he talking about? What, why is he up here building this crazy construction? Uh, who knows what it's even for? He's talking about some flood. What's a flood? It's never even rained before. 
Uh, but we can see that Noah was faithful in what he was doing. The people were complacent. They said, nothing's going to change. This is the way it's always been. Why would we believe this crazy preacher now? And we have to realize that the people who rejected Noah's message, they weren't all heathen devil worshipers. Um, Ellen White tells us that some of the people truthfully believed. They were moved to belief through Noah's words. But they were, in other words, members of the church. They had the belief in God. They had a belief in the truth. But when the time came and the final decision to stand for God came, their faith wilted. In Patriarchs and Prophets, page 95, it tells us, Many at first appeared to receive the warning, yet they did not turn to God with true repentance. They were unwilling to renounce their sins during the time that elapsed before the coming of the flood. Their faith was tested, and they failed to endure the trial. Overcome by the prevailing unbelief, they finally joined their former associates in rejecting the solemn message. Some were deeply convicted and would have heeded the words of warning, but there were so many to jest and ridicule that they partook of the same spirit, resisted the invitations of mercy, and were soon among the boldest and most defiant scoffers. For none, none are so reckless and, and go to such lengths in sin as do those who have once had light, but have resisted the convicting spirit of God. The men of that generation were not all in the fullest acceptance of the term idolaters. Many professed to be worshipers of God. They claimed that their idols were representations of the deity and that through them the people could obtain a clear conception of the being. This class was foremost in rejecting the preaching of Noah, as they endeavored to represent God by material objects, their minds were blinded to his majesty and power. They ceased to realize the holiness of his character or the sacred, unchanging nature of his requirements. As sin became general, it appeared less and less sinful. And they finally declared that the divine law was no longer in force, that it was contrary to the character of God to punish transgression, and they denied that his judgments were to be visited upon the earth. Had the men of that generation obeyed the divine law, they would have recognized the voice of God in the warning of his servant. But their minds had become so blinded by the rejection of light that they really believed Noah's message to be a delusion. Does that sound a little familiar? Does that sound like uh, maybe a warning that we should take as a church, as a people? Do you think it's possible that if we're not careful, we as Adventists, can have this same hard-heartedness come over us? Um, could it be possible that our ability to identify sin uh, has become dulled by the things that we see going on around us and even sometimes in our churches? Um, have we allowed our view of God and of God's love, His judgment, to be so blurred that we aren't sure if God, who is love, could He really destroy those who don't follow Him totally? We see that uh, through all the ridicule and jesting that uh, Noah had to endure, he kept working, he kept preaching. Um, he withstood the taunts of the crowd. They, as they would gather to watch him and his family work on this huge building project. Um, I would think that there would have been a number of people in the crowd who would have sort of been on the fence, you know? Um, sort of thinking, well, maybe it's true and you know, maybe when, when that time comes, I'm going I'm to make that right choice. I'm going to make the choice to, to follow. But I'm not going to do it right now because there's, there's a lot of um, people that would make fun of me, fun of me if I did that. You know, it, it's so different than what everybody else is doing. I'm not comfortable making it right now, but when I see the signs, 
then I'm going to go ahead and get in the boat. You would think that time would have been when all of a sudden you see animals start to come down and get onto the boat, right? Doesn't that seem like that would be a, a natural time where anybody that was on the fence said, okay, that's it. You guys are crazy. I, I'm going with this, this uh, builder of, a, of an ark. Uh, but we see that not one single person made that decision. Everybody that was in the crowd stayed in the crowd. So it makes us think, you know, what could have people so blinded? Uh, why were they so distracted? And when we go to Patriarchs and Prophets, uh, so there was a missing slide in here, so I'll read it from the, the paper. It says, As the time of their probation was closing, the antediluvians gave themselves up to exciting amusements and festivities. Those who possessed influence and power were bent on keeping the minds of the people engrossed with mirth and pleasure, lest any should be impressed by the last day of solemn warning. Do we not see the same repeated in our day? While God's servants are giving the message that the end of all things is at hand, the world is absorbed in amusements and pleasure-seeking. There is a constant round of excitement that causes indifference to God and presents, prevents the people from being impressed by the truths which alone can save them from the coming destruction. We can see that the people would not accept God's plan. And as a result, not one of them joined Noah and his family on the ark. I believe that if Noah were here today, he would be doing the same thing he, he was doing back then. He would be preaching to the people. He would be pleading with the people. This is the same thing that we should be doing. Uh, he'd be calling to all that were within earshot to repentance. He would be doing what he could to assure that he and his family were ready and prepared for the soon coming day of destruction. Uh, if we turn to Matthew 24, verses 4 through 14, we see some of the things that the Lord tells us we can expect in the world uh, before his second coming. It says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation to kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. So what were some of the things that the Lord said we could see at that time? He mentions false Christ. He mentioned pestilences, right? He said wars, rumors of wars, um, kingdoms, going against kingdoms, uh, being hated for God's namesake, um, people betraying one another, people hating one another, false prophets, lawlessness, and the love of many growing cold, and also the ability for the gospel to be preached to the entire world. Is there any doubt that we could be living in those times? That sounds uh, a lot like today. Um, when we see our daily newspapers or look at, see our news feed, uh, 
Um, what we see there should shock us. It should jolt us into action. It should um, wake us up. But all too often, um, I know I find myself being complacent, unmoved, um, even with the signs around us. The signs are there. We just have to take the time to look at them, pay attention to what God's trying to tell us. Uh, we have famines uh, that have been going on for years. They have uh, uh, statistics that I saw said that o- over 9 million people a year die of hunger or hunger diseases. Um, and the UN has posted their fears that there could be multiple famines of biblical proportion uh, because of the COVID pandemic, because of the effect that it's had on the, the food stores, as well as on the ability for uh, the food to be distributed. I think COVID, more than anything that I've seen in my life, has definitely changed my perception of security. Um, Just how quickly things can change. How many people ever thought there would be a time where we would have to be concerned about toilet paper supply? I mean, that that seems unbelievable, right? But with, with the pandemic, we saw just how precarious our position really is. I mean, it highlighted to me, we can't have security in our government, in our supply chain. Um, You know, we we saw slight, but I mean, there was some food shortages and some places it was worse, you know, where there's more people. Um, We saw difficulty uh, getting the toilet paper that I was mentioning. How many people started to get a little bit nervous as the, you know, when it first happened, I figured, okay, it's just people being crazy, buying so much stuff, but it'll, it'll be back. But it took quite a while for toilet paper to actually start to be on the shelf, you know? Um, and I think that should be uh, a wake-up call for us. We can't depend on our electricity, on our government, on our um, food uh, supply that we've become accustomed to. Because these things are very um, delicate. And it would only take you know, a few um, things to fall in place where all of a sudden everything could just be turned upside down. It, it's you know, caused Carolina and myself, we've been um, convicted. Is the city really where we want to live? No. Um, wouldn't it be better if we were someplace where we could sort of supply some of our own things, maybe have our own water supply? Um, burn some wood rather than depending on the natural gas? Because once those things start to fail, how long do we think society is going to stay happy? How long do we think that people are going to continue to be um, pleasant or accepting of um, people that are, that are doing anything different? In the world around us, we've seen an increase in earthquakes. We've seen the, the wildfires that we have here um, in Colorado, as well as in California, and I believe Oregon and Washington as well. Um, we've seen massive animal die-offs, algae blooms that have uh, affected the quality of life in a lot of areas. Um, we've seen uh, some, a lot of the leading scientists are saying you know, the, the natural um, resources that we have, the reserves that we have, aren't going to last our world much longer if we continue to use them in the, in the way that we are. Uh, the pestilence that we have in the world, uh, the concern about biological warfare. Uh, you know, there's things that that we should that we see 
that should be indicators for us. Not to mention how we see people treating others, how we see people treating their own family. Um, I saw a news story the other day where um, um, a mother took her um, quadriplegic child, brought him to the woods, and left him there for three days because she wanted to go spend time with a boyfriend. I saw, then there was, there was another one where um, a mother took her child, a seven-year-old, put him in a dumpster so that she could go have a spa day. And it's not just, I mean, these things aren't natural. That's, that's not natural action. And it's not just mothers. I mean, we, we have fathers who are absent, who don't take um, the responsibility for the people they bring into the world. Or we have um, other fathers or, or people who are in that capacity who physically abuse their children, mentally abuse, um, sexually abuse. Uh, being at the hospital, you know, it's unsettling to see a two-month-old come in with various injuries, you know, that... that indicate, you know, that this child is, has seen consistent abuse. Um, and then you have the evidence of the issue that we have with human sex trafficking. Uh, and I think a lot of times we, we try to put this as, oh, that doesn't happen here. It happens here. It is a big industry here. Um, it's prevalent here. Noah would be saying to us, get in the ark. You know, judgment's coming. Uh, the floodwaters of sin are rising. Why are you guys standing out there not doing anything? Why are you not getting in the boat? Um, I think we can see the effects. The Holy Spirit is being drawn from the world. You, know, you see the effects in society. But the, the wonderful thing is we don't have to drown in our sin. God's already given us the, the plan of salvation. He's given us that ark that we can go to. Um, we just have to accept it. We can we can still enter in that door to get into the ark. The question is, how much longer is that door going to be open? You know, as soon as God sees that the last soul on earth that's going to be um, able to be convinced to follow him, once they've made their decision, that's it. God's not going to continue um, for people that aren't going to change their minds. So we have to listen. We have to hear. We have to obey the message of the gospel. And we have to know that there's only one door to get into the ark, and that's by accepting Jesus Christ, by um, accepting the salvation that he's given to us, by following him, following his instructions, asking for forgiveness when we do mess up, and striving to follow God with each and everything that we do. You know, to me, God's calling us to be ready. He's calling us to wake up. He doesn't want us to be so distracted or misled that uh, we get caught unprepared for his coming. Uh, he doesn't want us to be tricked into thinking that his rules or his guidelines have changed and that they've relaxed. Um, he wants us to be a modern-day Noah. He wants us to be one who is willing to step out in faith, who is willing to proclaim his message, who is willing to live his life in a way that uh, reflects God and his character. He wants us to remain faithful to him, regardless of the ridicule and contempt that we will hear from people around us. He wants us to have confidence in the love that he has for us and the knowledge that he's going to help us. He will help us through any difficulty because he wants our salvation even more than we do. So if this is what you desire, church, if, if this is a, 
commitment that you're willing to make, I'd like you to stand with me. It's something that we need to talk to God for, that we need to talk to God about. We need to ask him for help. Because if we try to do it on our own, we aren't going to be successful in following him and being able to stand faithful till the end. Um, you know, we, we see in the, the days of Noah, there was a lot of people who listened. But there weren't a lot of people who changed what they were doing, who made those, who took those steps that were needed to get onto the boat. So if this is a commitment that you're willing to make, if this is something that you think is a serious decision that we need to individually make daily, I ask that you'll stand with me. Um, it's something that we need to make completely. We can't do it half-heartedly. Um, God doesn't want our leftovers. He's not looking for um, what's left after we spent all of our time and energy looking at things of the world, uh, spending our time in, in um, you know, gravitating toward, towards the things that we have around us. God is looking for us to be fully and totally committed to him. So we have to think every day with the decisions that we make, with how we spend our time, with how we spend our energy. Is what I'm doing today, is this helping me commit myself to God? Is this helping me draw closer to him? Um, is this helping me to be a Noah? Or is this putting me at risk for missing the boat? Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to ask for your help. You know each of us um, have issues. Each of us have uh, problems that we can't, aren't able to deal with on our own, where we need to depend upon you for strength, for guidance, for assistance, and helping us be the people that you want us to be, that you need us to be. We ask that you will help to improve our commitment to you, help us to improve our love for you, help us to improve our reflection of you, so that we will be the lights that you need us to be in this world of darkness. We ask that you will help us to be able to take the steps that we need to so we can be prepared at your second coming. And not only that, but so that we can help prepare others, so that we can help um, be that magnet that will draw others to you as well. We thank you for this wonderful plan of salvation that you've given to us. We thank you that you love us so much and you have given us this um, instruction as well as the path that we need to take uh, to spend eternity with you. And we ask that you will help each one of us to commit daily, sometimes hourly, to making the choices that are necessary so we can be true to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.